everyone and welcome to a very special episode of Make the Shift with the Legal Work. But wait, they're all special. This one is just a little bit more different. First of all, we have a man on the podcast. This is Justin Khan, who was invited to come and talk about all things Atrium, which was a legal tech company that he started and subsequently closed down. Secondly, the episode was recorded on Clubhouse, which is an audio-only app. And so there might be a few sounds that you hear that you're unfamiliar with. So um, please bear with us and focus on the good stuff. And I'm not going to stand in your way any longer. Here we go. Hello. Hi, Justin. How are you? Good evening. How are you guys? Good. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you so much for joining us um, here in the Legal Work Club. Um, This is like, I'm sure you're so tired of me saying it via email and every platform. I am so, so excited to be having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for responding to my cold email. Um, yeah, um, thank you so, so much and, and welcome to Talk Club. This is Jason, my co-moderator. Uh, we run this club together and the purpose of this club um, that it's called the legal work. It's something that I started when I was in South Africa uh, with the view of amplifying the work and voices of underrepresented attorneys or underrepresented professionals in the legal space. And um, our core pillars are work, lifestyle, and journey. And it's about how does being a legal professional feed into each of those aspects and um, how does it ultimately feed into the purpose of your life. And so the reason I reached out to you is because um, you were, although you're not an attorney, you were in the legal industry space and you brought a lot of excitement to many people that are probably piling up in the room when you started Atrium. And for me, I know I reached out to you like when that happened. I was so, so excited to see you like coming off your huge success with Twitch and then like addressing our industry, which like had not been done before by someone of your caliber. And that's in essence what we want to talk about today. Just, um, you know, what was the impetus behind that? How was the process? How did you find our industry or the legal industry? Um, you know, kind of the thoughts on closing it down and just what you're working on now with your incredible podcast and uh, at Goat Capital. Sure. Yeah. Happy to talk about any and, and all of those things. And, you know, whatever people are interested in. Great. Where should we start? Uh, so let's start at, I, I think, like, uh, I was listening to a number of your podcasts that you've done speaking about, you know, just your amazing journey in the startup space. Uh, I personally came across you in 2015. I think um, I used to follow you on Snapchat back back in those days, and you were um, with Sam Altman uh, working on, on YC. And um, that's when I really, like, you know, got to see you and learn about, you know, the venture capital world in essence uh, when I was back home. And um, so it's been a long journey of just like watching you. I hope like not in a creepy way. Um, But for this evening, I want to talk about why you're interested in legal services uh, and what you thought about legal services as an outsider um, before starting Atrium. Um, Yeah, so, so, I mean, I just saw it as something I always hated as a customer, as a client. That I always thought was like very opaque and should be have more automation. So, and then I, I thought it was like a big market opportunity because I, I felt like I was super clever for inventing this, you know, multi-company structure to try to tackle, uh, you know, the legal 
uh, the legal space as a services provider. And so it was like, those were kind of the things that led me to want to start the company. But really, I was just looking for something where I felt like I could start a really big company. It was a very ego-driven move at the time. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna start the, this company in this space because I know the space has been, I've been a client and I think I can create a big company here. And so that was really the driver in the beginning, yeah. And then kind of the next steps, like when you move from, oh, you know, I have this idea to um, starting to workshop the idea among your colleagues, your friends, your lawyers, and um, just, you know, how did people receive the idea? Well, people were very positive at first, right? Like my, you know, every investor and client, like every you know, potential client, all my friends who were founders were like, oh, yeah, I hate my experience. Like everybody universally was dissatisfied in some way with their experience you know this was in the startup space right so like start you know startup industry and so um either they were dissatisfied with the quality of the work product or they thought it should go faster because there should be automation because you know there wasn't that much that they felt like the docs should be like very standardized or uh they didn't like how much they were paying right some combination of those things and so um you know for for us like we got a lot of positive encouragement in the beginning uh, where, you know, I think one of the mistakes that we made was probably not identifying whether we were serving the lawyers or the um, clients and not really identifying, like, so are we primarily for a service for lawyers or, you know, to make their experience better or are we primarily a service for clients to make their experience better and then, you know, listening to that specific demographic or audience, uh, you know, more closely. Uh, yeah, I think that was probably our biggest problem. That's um, that's really interesting because I know you had like a, a dual structure where there was a big law firm that had um, associates from the best named law firms, and then you also had the legal technology services side of it. So, um, what was your thinking behind having it as a as a dual structure um, in that way? And I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. So we run a myself, my co-founder Max is in the audience, and we're running a. Um, a startup that is at this point um, connecting early stage founders to law firms and um, a lot of the questions that we get asked is how are you going to pull this off if Atrium wasn't able to to make it work and I mean one of my answers that I give is that um, Atrium had a very heavy um, infrastructure and um, with the pricing model like it was going to be really difficult to like sustainably scale it uh, just by virtue of that, is my answer true or false? Yeah, I think that's that's true. I mean, we have a lot, we have huge offline infrastructure of like lawyers and paralegals and people like doing work and you know, and then like this whole operations and technology and sales team. There's like a very you know heavyweight company. Whereas you know, if what you're doing is just connecting and making a marketplace, then you know, I think there's it's it can be much less you know kind of like infrastructure heavy, which I would encourage. You know. Um, ultimately, like the margins of a services business are not good unless you can do something that fundamentally changes the way the service is delivered, right? And so for us, like, I think we aspire to do that, but weren't able to do it well enough. Um, and that was where, you know, one of the reasons why I like, it didn't make sense to build that big of an infrastructure. That's true. I mean, that's one of the questions we often get is how does the scale? So um, the answer that you gave like encapsulates that um, 
really, really well. And I think just getting back to like those building blocks when you were um, building up Atrium. So I just want to welcome everybody uh, once again. And just the format of this evening is that uh, it's really uh, it's an interview style. So I'll talk to Justin for uh, probably until the top of the hour and then open up for questions. And then everyone can just like, you know, have your have your time with Justin. We're all super excited to have you here. Um, so in terms of your fundraising for, I mean, we're currently fundraising for a, a legal tech startup and that has its, you know, challenges here and there, but I know that you raised the party round um, right at the outset and what was the, the process of that and um, the, you know, how long did that basically take to do? Yeah, so initially we raised like ten and a half million. We raised it from, um, you know, like ninety investors. It took a, maybe like a month, something like that, maybe two months. Um, you know, like it was pretty simple. I didn't want that much money from any person. I was just trying to build a funnel of like startups, you know, people that pitch it to their portfolio companies. And so I just talked to like every investor and tried to get you know fifty or hundred grand from them. And for most, you know. I mean, I guess this is like a privilege of like having a startup before, right? Like where that was successful was like a lot of people were willing to back me in the beginning. Um, so, you know, it was, it was oftentimes just like a having a single conversation with them and then throwing like a 50 or 100k check. And then, you know, we, the, the round was led by one firm, uh, General Catalyst, that, you know, put in the majority of the money. And what did that 10M get you in terms of growth, uh, both from the team side as well as um, like just like that road to 100 customers where were you in essence sourcing your customers I know you kind of alluded to that now when you said that you wanted the VCs to promote your your service to their portfolio companies but was that like your core um, kind of like pipeline or were you looking beyond that because in one of the things that we've noticed is that by virtue of you know coming from a certain um, startup background or startup ecosystem like Silicon Valley, YC, Stanford on the coast, you have access to certain services and networks that a person that, you know, doesn't come from that um, atmosphere doesn't have, um, you won't be able to reach. So my question is really around, you were focusing really on like VC-backed startups primarily or, you know, a startup that might be bootstrapped um, and just like, so those are two questions. Your custom acquisition strategy and what was your target customer for Atrium? Yeah, the target customers were VC backed stars that were trying to raise money, right, in the future and like become like a, you know, like a go through the traditional funding path. And, uh, you know, our, our acquisition channels, you know, just try to go where the startups were and, you know, whether it was my Combinator or going through the portfolio, you know, their investors and, and just really doing a lot of like marketing you know, so the startups is similar to like what a Brex would do or something like that. You know, we're just in the discussion. I'd write a lot of content about raising money and, and starting startups and our content was a big draw. So, you know, just, uh, there wasn't really one thing that worked the best. It was, it was kind of like doing everything and we got to a hundred customers, pretty hundred clients pretty quickly. You know, it was like, um, I want to say it took maybe less than a year, something like that. But I mean, we're also spending a lot, right? I raised ten million dollars, and like probably, um, uh, you know, that that was like we hired a big team, and, and we we're spending a lot with 
only 14, 15 months, he raises the $65 million Series B. Wow. Yeah, that was going to be my, my, that was one of my questions as well is, what was the inflection point in your growth that you thought um, necessitated like a further fundraise? Yeah, I mean, it was just like we were spending lots of money and investing. We are building, building this huge infrastructure that we thought only worked at scale and we were growing cl clients pretty well. Um, and so it was, you know, we just felt like it was the right time. And I think I got a lot of forward credit for, uh, you know, like my, my past, right? Like my uh, success record, right? In a way, I actually think that like, you know, capital is anathema. There's like, um, adverse to, uh, success, right? If you overcapitalize a business, like I think it would have been better if there was a higher burden of proof in, in many ways. Um, but I, that I kind of got to skip because I, uh, have been successful before, but you know, it's like a data point of one, right? So I'm like maybe over extrapolating from a single, uh, from anecdotal evidence. I mean, I, but it, it, it is, um, and I think that's why there was so much excitement in the space because it's Justin Khan and he's in legal services. So, um, like there was all of that, you know, kind of, you know, hubris around what you were doing, um, which I think was, was well-placed and very necessary um, in, in, in general. And just around the, as you were building up the team and growing pretty quickly, I listened to um, an interview that your chief of staff, uh, what I think your first chief of staff um, gave um, about like making the first 100 hires at Atrium. What was the, the bedrock around like, you know, culture, diversity, what were you thinking around that and how important was that like at that stage when you were um, building up so quickly? Yeah, so we, I think culturally, there were a lot of things to like about Atrium. Um, there's this book that I really love called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And when I read that book, it really described to me what like the company that I wanted to work at was. Uh, the book is really about the principles of conscious leadership. There's like three kind of core ones there's like 15 in this book but there's i'll just talk about three the first is like 100 percent responsibility so the idea is taking you know seeing how you are responsible for your situation and taking response 100 responsibility for your for the situation you're in whatever it is and um the second is curiosity so approaching every situation with curiosity and what asking what you can learn from it and then the third is really being in touch with your emotions and being honest about your emotional state and using your emotions as a signal instead of something that you need to suppress. Um, and so for me, um, you know, really tried hard and worked hard to kind of build this conscious leadership into the culture. Um, I think there were parts of the company that really loved it. And then, you know, some parts that were, you know, it was very different from, you know, traditional legal industry culture. And so I think there were parts where like people didn't get it as much, but, um, it was interesting because it had, I guess it had a lasting effect on me, which is like, that's the kind of culture that I would build into any company moving forward, you know? So I definitely recommend the book for, for uh, anyone who is um, thinking about coming to culture. And from a diversity standpoint, you know, it's something that we cared a lot about. Uh, we had a, uh, you know, interview, a rule where we were trying to, um, we made sure to interview underrepresented minorities, you know, for like at least, you know, a certain amount for every position. And, um, you know, our executive team, we had a pretty diverse executive team. Um, and so, you know, it, that was something that I felt like I got a lot of value from, actually, was people who came from not just diverse, you know, kind of 
I guess, racial backgrounds, but actually like really diverse, uh, you know, back, actual backgrounds, like their, their job histories and like what they worked on. And, you know, Atrium in its best parts was like a, um, I guess a melting pot of different ideas and like different, different um, people from different industries. And so I think I, as I, you know, as a leader, I got a lot of value out of that. Um, and I think just continue to hop on around, you know, leadership and how you, uh, what you were looking for. And, and you mentioned that, you know, some parts of the legal team didn't quite understand um, the conscious leadership that you were, um, you know, leadership that you were striving for. I want to talk about, you know, just actually working with lawyers. Um, I know your co-founder, Augie, I, I met him at the beginning of the year. And I tried to co-opt him in helping me to stalk you, and he was not willing to participate, but I tried. Um, and I, we, I'm, he, he spoke about you know, his time at Atrium as well uh, at, a, at another legal conference. And I'm just curious about you know, that relationship as people from two very different industries with you know, successes in, you know, in your respective fields. My co-founder is, is technical, he's a data scientist, and I'm the lawyer. So um, I'm always curious to hear about like, you know, that combination of a technical and non-technical person working together. Um, and I mean, in essence, you had two kind of separate structures. So was there a difference between you know, kind of the law firm side and the way things were done there versus the legal technology side? Um, how did you kind of bridge those, those gaps and then ultimately lead both um, after Augie's departure? You know, I don't know that we did a particularly good job, right? I think there, there was, and it goes back to like, who are you, the question of who are you building for, right? I think what I, I think one of the major failure modes of Atrium was, was that we didn't identify, like, are we building for clients or are we building for lawyers? And so the consequence of that was like, we kind of were trying to do both. And the problem was, like, if we were building for lawyers, for example, we might, there's like multiple archetypes of lawyers that we could build for. We could have built for, lawyers who uh, wanted to get out of big law and wanted some different work-life balance trade-off, right? So someone who wanted to work 70% of what big law was doing, but also wanted, was willing to take a pay cut of seven, you know, 30%, right? And that would have been one archetype of someone we could have hired. Another was like, the, the you know, somebody who wanted to be a go-getter and be a partner earlier and maybe like work way more, but like build their own book and like, you know, really be, you know, they were hard charging and like trying to like grow a huge business, right? And that was like a different archetype. And, and I think we just didn't really identify who exactly we were trying to build for it. So we didn't make something that was like really excellent for any of the constituents. And so the, the net result of it was like a, a relatively high churn between, of like lawyers, but then also of clients ultimately, as you know, lots, lots of times lawyers would leave and, and like take their book of clients. So that was kind of one of those things that made it not sustainable, you know? And then um, when that, I mean, kind of started to happen with, when you noticed that, and then I saw that you began to add other like services around, you know, helping startups with fundraising and marketing, I think maybe a little bit towards the, the final closure of, of Atrium, uh, what, what prompted that? Was that always like 
you know, the mission and the direction that you're going towards, um, because we've been warned that, like, I mean, we should just kind of stay in, in the legal industry uh, and build there as opposed to, like, you know, trying to help early stage founders connect to a multiple services, uh, but just focus on, you know, one industry. So I'm curious about, you know, at your outset, was that, like, your focus from the beginning or it's something that you... Um, pivoted and added on as you were growing yeah it was something we added as we saw like the demand from the customer base right but like really people wanted a lot of people came to atrium because they wanted the fundraising help and advice and something i was really good at so it was kind of natural to offer that to the, the clients but the problem was i mean it was a distraction right like i think it goes back to like who are you building for right and we probably shouldn't have done that that's you know when we did it we probably should have we probably should have waited it was like the really the only profitable part of the company though so maybe we should have just made the whole company that you know but you know you know hindsight is 2020 hindsight is 2020 and i mean perfect um segue to and this is 2020 um and at the beginning of this year uh i was surprised because i'd actually traveled to um startup grind again to stalk you uh but then and i was expecting that you would speak about atrium but um, when you were on that on that main stage but you um you know you spoke about something that's really important to you now around like wellness and showing up in your whole self and um overall mindfulness so that was a really great panel to still um participate in i went and raided the atrium stall for like everything that 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 was available um at the table um but and i know just you know getting back to the question you then made the announcement at the beginning of the year that you were you know in essence closing down well actually closing down atrium and i mean just to kind of go into the thought process what was the data that led you there or was it just something personally that you no longer had the passion for you came in with the desire to you know solve this problem and um and you and, and now you were leaving the space uh just you know kind of talk us through the like that first feeling that you know i don't want to do this anymore or this doesn't make sense anymore which one was it well we didn't there, it wasn't growing in the way that like a venture back startup with the kind of capital that we had like needed it to in order to get you know kind of sustain the future round so to me it was like we needed to pivot do something different and then it came to the point where we didn't really feel like we had a plan that was like a good pivot plan that would make you know would if i was just investing this amount of money into like a new startup would i do that you know and we didn't have a plan where we could confidently say yes like as a board so that at that point it made sense to like wind the experiment down you know it was kind of as simple as that and um and then that process of, you know, putting out that memo. And at the beginning of this year, um, UpCouncil, which was another platform that, uh, you know, was connecting small businesses and, and lawyers, also announced that it was, you know, uh, closing down and some other things subsequently happened. But in essence, you know, it, it also uh, didn't have like a, a good outcome. What was, you know, that, so that was like a, a very big blow at the beginning of the year for the legal industry and the legal tech space as a whole. But what was that process of, you know, putting out that memo and then, um, you know, having to have that discussion with your various stakeholders? Because, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a painful process. 
like it's you know whatever loves to sh- shutting down companies tough and we laid off a lot of people and so it wasn't ideal um but you know it was pretty confident they would land on their feet and like try to really help people on the separate side to like land in a good place and so uh you know while it was painful it was like it was worth you know something to do and like talking to the investors is not the greatest but like you know people are understanding i'm, I'm lucky and fortunate i got a lot of support and uh so you know it was it was not my favorite thing to do but it was it was just another another day i guess you know i was i, was, I guess i felt like i was pretty well equipped to deal deal with it from my internal perspective and that you know i've just been doing a lot of self-work and meditating a lot I kind of okay with whatever came every day. Uh, I'd just been through this experience where I broke both my arms in a bicycle accident, and that really was a, uh, I guess, a test of you know resilience. And so, you know, when it came to setting down the company, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite thing, but it wasn't wasn't the end of the world. And and thank you for you know for for sharing that, and I'm uh, glad that you know you're very well recovered now. Um, I did see that on Twitter when you uh, posted the pictures, though. Um, and then you just mentioned something now around, you know, you were doing a lot of meditation, doing a lot of self-work. Uh, and maybe uh, just a, a more personal question is, how did this or did this affect your identity? And, um, you know, having this loss or having this failure, do you call it that? Um, and did you have any, any shame around it? Mm. I think in the past, you know, I've had, not this time, like I've had the experience of having like failure in the past and being like really depressed about it and and having, you know, shame about it and having it really affect my self-identity, you know, feeling self-worth. And, you know, through the process of starting Atrium, I'd actually, because, you know, I'd started this journey because of like, you know, because I was so stressed actually in the beginning, but I'd gotten to the place where, uh, you know, I've been pretty disconnected. I've been was able to de- disconnect my ego and self worth from like the you know external outcomes, and you know realize that like I guess my own in- that, you know feelings of self worth were like much more dri- driven from you know I shifted them to be driven more from an intrinsic place, and so you know I was I mean I sound a little disconnected, but like I was sad that the experiment was over and. I really loved my team and working with my team, uh, but it wasn't, you know, I, I was able to kind of digest it and grieve and move on pretty quickly. And I think that's, well, thank you for sharing that and thank you for um, letting us to letting us into that, that space that you were in because there's been a lot of, you know, the 2020, it's been a lot of disappointment, a lot of loss in many aspects of, you know, people's lives and, um, I think just having those tools to be able to rebuild and, um, you know, that, that internal resilience to, to get through this year is, is, is very, very important. Um, a question maybe just, you know, as you, sp- you spoke about, you're really good at fundraising and uh, now you're on the other side of the table again uh, as, a, as an investor at Gold Capital. Um, when people are coming to speak to you and pitch to you and you know they want to be vulnerable but and you're trying to raise money but at the same time like you want to tell your story but you don't want your story to 
put you in a place where you're like looking desperate and, and broke, so or too broke. So what's that um, balance between, you know, being vulnerable and sharing your truth while at the same time, um, you know, showing that, like not putting up a front and that, you know, you're going to make it. I was listening to your uh, chief of staff yesterday saying that she learned from you the attitude of, I'm going to make this happen with or without you. Uh, whenever a person is like, you know, facing an investor or whatever it might be. But what kind of advice would you give now that you're in, in this, you know, on your own journey to someone that is trying to tell their story, but at the same time not, you know, shoot themselves in the foot? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, that that idea of like, I'm going to make it with or without you is like really important, right? So, and not saying it explicitly, but really just embodying that ethos. And so I think what's really important is controlling a narrative. And so when you are going out and you're being an investor, it's say, like, you don't have to have all the answers. And if you represent, you know all the answers or there's no problems in your company, every investor knows that's bullshit. So it's really about saying, hey, here's what we're doing, here's why it's awesome, you know, here's what's, here's why it's a big market, here's what we're doing, here's why we're building a big market, here's why it's a great solution, here's the evidence that it's a great solution, and through that story, really introducing yourself as well, and then saying, and here's the things that we don't know, being open and honest about, it. here's the things we don't know, you know, we still have to test out user acquisition, we still have to, you know, test, uh, you know, we don't have no lifetime value to customers, is what, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, being open and honest about what you don't know and you still have yet to prove, but then also showing, hey, here, I understand the steps on how I'm going to get there. Like, even if I don't know the answer, I'm going to understand the steps on how I'm going to figure out the answer. And I think just presenting it like, I don't know everything, but I know how I'm going to directionally proceed is um, kind of an important way to build a narrative where you can be vulnerable, but you uh, also um, can you know, project confidence. Thank, uh, thanks for, for, for sharing that. I mean, for me personally, we're fundraising, so that's always um, great encouragement and great perspective to, to hear. Um, I'm going to have, I'm going to be opening up in a little while. Uh, maybe just give you the opportunity to talk about uh, what you're doing at Gold Capital and plug um, the Quest podcast and like all the interesting conversations that you're, you're having with, you know, friends, um, friends and, and colleagues over there. So if there's anything that you, I mean, what's kind of the, I know you say that uh, Quest Capital, I mean, sorry, Goat Capital is um, sector agnostic, but is there anything, you know, that you're specifically looking for? Uh, yeah, so so a couple of things that are really interesting to invest in for us, uh, really interested in climate change, and so that's either, you know, technologies that address climate change or it could be consumer behavior changes, uh, you know, like new products, um, if you want to buy them because they're better for the environment. Um that's one category. Really interested in robotics and automation. I think there's a huge wave going on. I'm an investor in Cruise, self-driving car company, but also built robotics and, and Gecko Robotics, which are both doing uh, some you know, different types of industrial automation. Um, and then also adjacent companies. And uh, really interested in e-commerce and digital entertainment, which is my background and my partner Robin's background. And then digital healthcare. We're going through this healthcare transformation right now and um, you know investor in a bunch of healthcare companies I feel like doing really well because of it and so uh, those are some of the areas uh, also interested in wellness I guess as a more for personal interest that I haven't really found businesses where I think they're you know that I really love in that space yet 
so, so those are some of them. And uh, yeah, this Go Capital itself is an early stage fund. Uh, we invest in C-stage companies and you know, pre-seed and C-stage companies and also incubate our own company ideas. And uh, just started with my friend Robin Chan, who's the founder of a gaming company that sold to Zynga. Uh, and then you know, he's, he's an angel investor in Uber, Square, Twitter, and, and Xiaomi, among others. Um, it's actually a much better investor than I am. So I partnered up, and uh, that's what we're doing now. It's my day job, and then my hobby project is I started a podcast. It's called The Quest. Uh, you can find it on Spotify or uh, iTunes. And it's really about people's journeys through their lives. You know, uh, some of my friends have been successful or you know, started companies and, you know, just their, the ups and downs of, of their their stories. You know, people see the outside and oftentimes see someone who, you know, they feel like has a straight shot to success. But you know, there's always something that underneath that that's, um, you know, kind of a roller coaster. And so I just really wanted to dig into that and uh, tell people stories. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Justin. I think on my side, um, that, that those, those are the questions that I have for now. But I'm going to ask my co-founder, my co-moderator, Jason, do you have any cl- to, to close us out? Um, and thank you. Thank you very much. No, I just want to say appreciate you, Justin. Um, appreciate everyone for joining us tonight. And um, I believe we'll be back next week. Is that correct, Tay? Yes, we'll be back next week and we'll be talking to some incredible founders like uh, founders in the legal space, Rookie and Khadija and um, Jenea about how they are using their qualifications to empower their communities. So that's going to be exciting and I hope to see you all next week. But for this evening, thank you so much and have a good evening, everybody.